It's his second time through and he hasn't even taken a hit yet. He's a wizard. Do you realize how many outside systems I've gone into? How many programs I've appropriated? You were recruited by the Starling to defend... To defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. I love the power glove. It's so bad. Just keep your power gloves off her, pal, huh? Damage report! Guidance system out. Auxiliary steering out. Defense! She won't answer the helm. What do we do? We die. You're listening to the Gamers Must Die podcast. I'm your host, Ben Malahan, here with Alex Moreau and Jared Riley. Hi-yo. Hi, everybody. Well, anything new with you guys this week? Whole lot of nothing. (laughs) Yeah. It's been all of like 10 hours since last time I saw you. (laughs) Yeah, last night we recorded the anime podcast. And then we watched Star Wars. Yep. It's good times. And it was National Beer Day, so we drank some beer. We're really, really obsessed over the fact that it was National Beer Day. I think you were the only one who knew that. Even like the girl at the (laughs) fucking brewery we went to, I don't think knew it's National Beer Day. But she pretended like she knew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jared has to keep taps on these things. And he had all excuses to day drink. Yeah, it's weird though. He doesn't drink that much. So it's like he was really, really happy that it was National (laughs) Beer Day for no reason. Did you see that on Facebook or something? I don't know. Facebook is where I see all those. Actually, no, I saw it on the Seinfeld uh, Facebook page. The Seinfeld Facebook page. Yep. Specifically. (laughs) Yeah, so we had to like like, go to like a local brewery and buy like a. Growler or fill a growler and yeah. drink beer and watch Star Wars. Which, by the way, and the new Star Wars, uh, second viewing for me, I held for up. me. Yeah, I was uh, it reaffirmed my positive feelings on the film. Yeah, exact same kind of rating for you. Yep, we same had great here. commentary too. Too bad we didn't record it, but it was great. Just, just take <laughs> their words for it. Let's just record folks. everything we say all the time, Jared. I know there should be a mic on me. Like I should just have a lapel mic on me all the time with right. like a little recording. People can just tune in, listen to whatever you're doing. Yeah. So interesting. Oh, man. That's a be- That's a great, that's the best idea you've ever had. I know. Potentially. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> okay, let's do some news. All right, so Quantum Break for Xbox One has been very, very well received. It's one of those games that I've just read nothing about before it came out. Yeah, no, I... Didn't even really recognize the title before you lent to me that article. Yeah. So um, basically it's by uh, Remedy Entertainment. They're the studio who did Max Payne 1 and 2 and apparently not 3. And also Alan Wake are their big name games that people would recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys ever play Alan Wake? I did. Alan Wake was actually pretty great. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was... Uh, it was good because it was fun, but also just the way the story was told and the whole the atmosphere and everything was great. The darkness mechanics were pretty fun, yeah. too. Like, it was an interesting take on it. Even yeah. though, like, it's not the first time you've ever had, like, attack with your flashlight kind of thing, it did it really well. It did. And it matched the narrative very well. Yeah. So. In fact, I really should go back and replay that game because I really like it. I tried replaying it. I feel like it's not really one of those games that has the same punch the second time you play it. Kind yeah. of like Heavy Rain because you know... Plot. Yeah, that makes sense. What system is this for? Uh, all of them, like all Xbox Three Sixty. All of them ever. I mean, you, I think you can get on Xbox One now too because it's, it's old. Xbox, it's Xbox Three Sixty generation. I think it's available on PC though. It is on PC. Yeah, because I, I have like so. four I copies of it. I could have sworn I had it in my Steam library. Yeah. So between like five to ten years old. I don't know. Not that old. 
I would say like six years old. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, they also did Max Payne 1 and 2, which um, I really like those games. You ever play those? I didn't play Max Payne. I only saw the terrible movie. I saw the movie. Yeah, the movie was bad. No, Max <laughs> Payne <the laughs> games also had a really interesting kind of unique narrative. Um, but the combat was really cool. Like the bullet time stuff they did back in the day. Like you basically, um, it was third person and you basically dive into a room and slow everything down and slowly shoot everyone by the time you hit the floor you know everybody in the room would be dead is really satisfying gun combat so the kind of stuff they have in fallout i haven't played fallout so, i mean fallout 3 even like no 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 no, no 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 like uh like basically picture the matrix and that's what the combat was like you could slow down time and then just you know do crazy shit and okay gotcha dodge and grab people anyway it was especially for the time because it was original xbox uh, the one and two were on very, very good, good games. Um, anyway, so there are the people who made Quantum Break and uh, the reviews are really glowing. And basically the reviews say that the narrative structure is similar to Alan Wake and the gameplay is reminiscent of Max Payne. Which oh. I hear that. I'm like, holy shit. I love the narrative of Al- and Alan Wake and I love the gameplay of Max Payne. So <laughs> done deal. Yeah. What's the plot for Quantum Leap. Uh, Quantum Break. Oh, Quantum Break, sorry. What is Quantum I can also tell you the the plot for Quantum Leap if you want. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, that is a thing, right? I watched that as a kid. I watched it a lot as a kid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, the plot for Quantum Break has uh, to do with time travel. Okay. And uh, like there's time traveling mechanics in the combat. It sounds like it says it's reminiscent of Max Payne. So there's slowing down time and shit like that. Gotcha. Apparently, it's a very solid. Solid game, single player game. So, we'll definitely be playing at that at some point once I get through my stack of games. I haven't even taken the shrink wrap. Very out. intimidating stack. Yeah. Yes. Uh, some of them will take you some like forty or so hours to beat. So good yeah, luck with that. I will see. <laughs> uh, okay. Next up, uh, I'm gonna skip the April Fool's talk. I really hate fucking April Fools. Yeah, I think I uh, heard you say that. <laughs> I don't. Rec- Call being super impressed by any gaming uh, pranks this year. Well, the gaming pranks Nothing stuck out at me this year. Gaming pranks fall into like two categories. One, like the obvious haha joke, you know, like stuff that Blizzard does, like, oh, here's a Taran with a guitar. It's funny because he's a new class in World of Warcraft. You know what I fucking yeah. love though is um the high production value trailers that it sometimes make. Like um, what was it? It made such a good trailer for um. Was it like a Pac-Man movie or a, I don't know. That was unfortunately a reality in which Adam Sandler played a role. No, no. <laughs> there, there was a year. Was that meant as an April was, Fool's was joke? Was it a Zelda movie? Oh, yeah. Remember I remember Remember the Zelda that. trailer? The Zelda trailer sucked. It was kind of awesome, though. No, it was terrible. <laughs> wow, you just hate everything. I'm just it was saying. awesome in a fan production, like on a fan production scale. There were different Zelda trailers made i'm trying to remember the one i'm thinking of i'm, I'm fucking horrible. I'm thinking of the one that wasn't a fan production i think it was actually uh made for april fools by like an actual company oh well but uh whatevs i don't know man i don't enjoy it because basically everything you read that day it's you like you can't believe yeah and so i re- what i really hate are the april fools jokes that are so close to oh this might be legitimate that you're left thinking oh god damn it yeah i guess i'm just gonna wait to consume information for a day 
rather than sit here and have to worry about whether or not this is true. It's pretty much what I did. But you have to wait like two days because sometimes there's still bleed over on things like Reddit. So you're like, God fucking damn it. Vast majority, it's, even when they're close to reality, it's not hard to pick out the ones that are fake. But there yeah. are some that are just like... Like people that 3D print consoles and they're just like leaked photos of nah, the that, Nintendo that's pretty NX. obviously bullshit. I'm talking like... I think the Google ones are always kind of lame. Just very like, oh, look at this. It's a real life... Uh, headset virtual reality this is just like a someone wearing goggles <laughs> april fool's day is the one day a year where everybody who doesn't have a sense of humor decides to try their hand at having a sense of humor and it just pisses me off you should just sleep through it i, sh- I should <laughs> i only saw <laughs> just stay in bed just all medicate day medicate yourself <laughs> so you go into like a into like a, a light Cat- coma a state <laughs> <laughs> just go into a light like coma for like 30 hours yeah. and just tell your wife, like, wake me after April Fool's. Yeah. <laughs> be like the purge. I'll, like, lock down my house. <laughs> That'd be so awesome. Oh, we should make a short video of, like that. That'd be... We actually that's, should. That's a good premise. In fact, I'm going to make a note of that. We should, we should do that for next year. Well, good thing we've made a verbal note of it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. I know. I, I'm being overly negative, but... You I are. Just... In- insanely so, almost. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't go so. that far. That, that's, a, that's a bit much. Hey, I, I'm Jared's always like, that's for what I'm the, here for. I'm all, I'm all about the hyperbolic statements. <laughs> okay, something that makes me happy, though. This next piece of news. Yeah, go for it. Some uh, Mass Effect Andromeda footage was leaked this past week. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. Nice. Good job. Yeah, I had Good to timing. play it. I, I had to do it right <laughs> the right. I knew I was going to play it. I just couldn't wait. I just had to do it right then. So... Apparently, the footage, uh, which I had not seen because it got all got deleted, I'm just not willing to put in the time and effort to find it now. Well, it said that it was footage from 2014 anyway, so it was it, like an it old be build. different now anyway. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, the big piece, though, I got from it is that, according to the footage, it's a uh, spiritual successor to the original Mass Effect. So, which Lots sounds great, but that doesn't really say a lot to me because, like, two and three were. Also, keeping in the spirit of one, I felt... No, no, no. Like, the writing was not as good. In terms of world building and exploration, though. I feel like they singled out the first one because the thing that really didn't carry over from the first one to the others was the heavy RPG emphasis. Oh, gotcha. That would be... That's my impression because it was a comment about the gameplay. Okay. Um, Look forward to seeing how that plays out. Would like to see that footage if it was slapped up anywhere. I'm sure we could find it if we really tried. Yeah. To me, uh, as I, I'm like, bring back the fucking Mako. Let me explore some planets. <laughs> Let me, uh, that was you know, fun. That was manage really my fun. inventory and choose my guns and blood. Like, I don't know. Especially like more a more modern version of the Mako where there's more shit to explore. Yeah. You know, more unique landscapes. I more. would really like that if the planets that were, um, like, if there were more planets and if they were more detailed, had more detailed landscapes yeah. and more missions going for them, that'd yeah. be great. I mean, two or three, all the, all they have was the scan thing, the right? Probes. Yeah. That was bullshit. That was basically <laughs> like a phone app game. Yeah, that was pretty not exciting. So so if you couple the gameplay improvements with uh, world building and exploration from the first game, it's going to be a pretty solid game. Now, granted, two went way far in the direction of being a shooter. Three kind of reeled it in and had some more RPG stuff, which I appreciated. I like three, but still prefer... More of an RPG emphasis like the first one. Yeah, definitely. Okay. This is notable, I guess. You can now remote play PS4 games on PCs and Macs. Been available for a while on Xbox One and PCs, but they don't have an app. An Xbox One app for Macs because apparently nobody really 
demands it, which is not surprising. Yeah. So. It's another bit of news in the PS4, Xbox One competition. It seems like every week somebody comes out with something and then somebody, like, Xbox comes out with something and PS4 is just like, ah, shit, now we got to get that too. They got backwards compatibility? Fuck, let's do it. Well, it's good, though. This is why competition is good because, yeah. you know, this I don't is... really, I don't understand exactly, like, what is this Oh, it, it, you stream it to your computer, like, you open an app on your computer. It's basically like as if you hooked up your computer So you're not playing on your computer. No, no, no. you're watching streaming. on your computer. Yeah. It's streaming to your computer. Because I was going the way I thought at first you were talking about, I was like, oh, wait, so I can play like a PC version of the game? No, 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 <laughs> Somehow no. with like mouse and keyboard? Oh, that'd be good for shooters. <laughs> no. No. That's not what this is. This is video game streaming that's been going on for a long time on various oh, okay. things. And yeah. I, it, it's never appealed to me. I've actually never tried it. And some of the footage I saw from the PS4 streaming was pretty choppy. I've only tried streaming in that I streamed a Steam library on like a separate computer. Yeah. Because we have two in our apartment. Um, and it was a little bit choppy and just not worth it at all. So I don't see the practical application of stuff like this, really. Yeah. So to me, I, I don't see the technology as being there yet where you can really enjoy it. Um, mm. and I can't, I can't imagine a situation where I'd be in my house and not just want to just go fucking sit in front of my TV and play Xbox or PS4. <laughs> yeah. No, latency issues are definitely a thing unless yeah. you're playing a super basic game. Yeah. Um, okay. Gosh, we have two big things here to discuss. Let's go with uh, the World of Warcraft one first. In fact, let's do this. Let's make our worst. I'm going to swap things around. Okay. Our worst thing is now the thing we're going to talk about now. Okay. <laughs> Superman got bad reviews or bad yeah. bad response from fans. It got bad reviews, yes, but also got really negative response from fans. Batman v Superman. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and we've all seen it now. Yeah. So, what, what's your thoughts on that, Alex? <sighs> I think it's. Just another unfortunate instance of people only being able to rate things a one or a ten. Yes. Like, if it's not a ten, it has to be a one, right? Right. So I watched Batman versus Superman. I'm like, that's a good seven right there. Yeah. Solid seven. Done. Liked some things about it. Disliked some things about it. But it was overall entertaining. And then I made the mistake of uh, going and looking at reviews because my friend asked me, like, oh, what did you think of the movie? And I was like, seven out of 10. He's like, oh shit, that's the highest score I've ever heard for this movie. What? I was like, what are you talking about? And I went online. It is super rotten. I think it has like 30% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And every single critic review of the movie is just dumping all over it. Yeah. So I was shocked. To me, the critic reviews, I kind you know, I wasn't that surprised they were negative because critics tend to like look down on movies that are comic booky yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Putting their uh, heads right up their own asses. Yeah. Um, to me, it was like fans like just being so pissed off about it. Like, fuck, they don't understand Superman and blah, blah, blah. You know, and <laughs> we've talked about before on the podcast how highly I regard people who enjoy comic books, generally speaking, because uh, comic books are really shitty. <laughs> yeah. For <laughs> those of you who have not heard the episodes where Ben has discussed comic books, he thinks comic book fans are actual scum of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty that's close enough yeah that's, that's yeah no just they're, they're really shitty stories where anything can happen and does happen so nothing really matters that happens because it's all just fucking making it up as they go along a bunch of different fucking writers doing different things nothing's consistent yeah, i mean and, it's something that's serialized i mean it's <laughs> now i think that i said too that occasionally there's a good book or a good series that comes out by you know an author who isn't total fucking retard 
but generally speaking, if somebody's like a diehard comic fan and they're worried about how a character is being portrayed in a fucking movie, you can just tell they're really stupid. Yeah, like I, like hearing Kevin Smith's reaction to Batman vs Superman really pissed me I don't off. Like, I've, I've, you know what? I haven't liked Kevin Smith for a long time. Yeah, he even he even talked shit about Ben Affleck, who I think is one of his best friends. Ke- Kevin Smith is such a fucking douchebag. <laughs> to play devil's advocate, I can totally understand why people would be disgruntled that the characters don't really match the original content. Why? Because like, I mean, wouldn't you guys get pissy if you watched a movie about something that you loved and it didn't match the original content? Well, what, well, it did the, match. The, my whole point is, why don't they get pissy every time some shitty fucking new Superman comic book comes out? Oh, they definitely I mean, Here's do. the question, though. What are we even considering original content anymore? My dad got mad watching Man of Steel um, because of Superman origin stuff because he grew up in the fucking Silver Age. And then, like... <laughs> He's like, he didn't even understand that uh, Man of Steel actually has super, like, correct view of, like, Superman origins, like, uh, on Krypton. There's, <laughs> every movie is pretty much linked to some form of original content, like a specific series. And even this so, one is, uh, Frank Miller's, uh, whatever, the Dark Knight. Yep. Dark Knight Returns. Returns series. It's it's super similar, as well as uh, Death of Superman. So yeah. um, There's the thing where, you know, a lot of these fucking comics that you read are really shitty. Uh, but there's also the thing where, okay, this is getting adapted to another format. Different story formats need to be told in different ways. Oh, I definitely get that, which is why I hate people that are like, the book was so much better oh, than the God, movie. Oh, God, those fuckers. Because they <laughs> cut out these scenes. I'm like, of course they cut out those fucking scenes. Yeah. Do you think they have like six hours to make a movie? No, they got to put it in like a two hour window. So, of course, <laughs> they're going to cut out that stupid, shitty dinner scene. Th- there's that a really, really dumb argument. There's a really good uh, chapter in a a screenwriting book that uh, I've read before where basically they say, listen, here's how different the different formats are. Imagine uh, a scene where a robber walks into a room and a little girl is playing with her doll. Oh, no, sorry. A a woman is on the floor playing with a doll or something and this guy's there to murder her. So if they were in a stage play, what they would do is they have a fucking dialogue for 20 minutes before he murdered her and him yep. murdering her would be two seconds. Instead, they would just talk about what was happening before it happened. Right. That's how stage plays work. They're all dialogue. And that's just the way they're formatted. Yep. If it was a book, you'd instead be reading about the internal thoughts that the robber was having. You know, uh, can I do this? Blah, blah, blah. So basically in the book, you'd be reading about their thoughts and eventually it would happen. Mm-hmm. But again, the different format, you're hearing about their internal uh, voices rather than a dialogue as you would in the stage play now you go to a movie or a tv show it's visual it's visual you see the, uh, the arm come through the door with the knife you see the woman playing on the floor maybe a lightning bolt through the window all visual you see him creeping up there's no dialogue right it's it's different storytelling format so in, in a tv show or movie that scene happens purely visually in the course of 20 seconds in a stage play it's 20 minutes in a book you know it's 10 pages yeah so the whole point is that when you see somebody translate a story from a book to a movie or TV show, you can't expect it to be, oh, this is super true to the books and every single little detail that happened because it's just never going to be that way. It can't be by virtue of the fact that they're different formats. I feel like people are starting to give up on that. A lot of people, I, maybe it's just because the people that I've been talking to about movies have been getting older as I've been getting older. Yeah. So it used to be like hearing girls bitch about Harry Potter in middle oh, school. Jesus. And yeah. now it's listening to girls bitch about Harry Potter in college. But um, <laughs> those, those movies are shit, though. The Harry Potter movies. Really? I always found them entertaining. Yeah, I thought they were fine. Oh, they're shit. They're yeah. all shit. Maybe the first Jerry three. Jerry just are, has no wonder in the his body. The first three are, yeah. are actually okay, but 
all the rest are just total garbage. Wasn't Prisoner of Azkaban the third one? Yeah, that was a, that was an okay one. Mm, yeah. That was my least favorite yeah. of all of them. Two and three were the worst. Wow. Maybe one, two was pretty... The well, last two the were the special worst for me. Anyway, the point <laughs> is, is that they're different than the books, and that's the way that things go. Yeah, there's a huge segment on that in uh, Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud, too. He talks really? about like the difficulties of being like a comic book illustrator and writer versus being like a novelist or a director and like how each person struggles with the medium differently. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely something that you have to understand if you're going to start criticizing. Well, I guess everybody can have their own opinion, but if you're going to like try to make a living off of criticizing shit in a very like eloquent academic fashion, you have to acknowledge the different formats. Well, we're, we're talking about a group of people who probably don't really think about what they're saying before it comes out of their mouth. So I guess if we're talking about Rotten Tomato reviews, the bar is set at a different level. Yeah, you're right. Um, but so there's that aspect of it where, you know, what you see in a movie is going to be different than a book or whatever, her comic book. But then also, um, who says that they have to be super true? Do you just, just want to see your fucking uh, comic book reproduced to, as a movie? Like, what's the fun in that? Seeing everything happen exactly as it happens in your comic book. I just don't and know how the- he could have... Uh, done Superman any better, really? Right. So <laughs> his his goal, he's going to tell a different kind of Superman story. He's going to take Superman and put him in a more grounded, uh, realistic world where it's not fucking colorful and uh, things aren't super happy and you know shit is threatening. And that's the whole premise of his of Zack Snyder's take on Superman. The thing, like the thing that I write about the critiques. Um people aren't actually shitting on Superman himself or Batman himself because people pretty much universally love Ben Affleck Batman. And I'm right there with them because he was my favorite part of the whole movie. Um, It's more just them poo-pooing Zack Snyder's like super heavy-handed metaphors. And um, like what? Like he just, I'm trying to think of a specific instance where he just really slaps you in the face with the message that he's trying to deliver. Like uh, how the first Five minutes were about uh, Superman destroying the city and like Ben Affleck watching, yeah. which, which I thought was great. But a lot of people were poo-pooing how they're just like, like they thought that he was being so obvious with who we should like sympathize with and like what view that we should take that it felt like almost patronizing, which fucking... it's an opinion that I do not share. I didn't really, that, that, didn't, re- that didn't play like that at all. I didn't feel like it was obvious, especially no. since it's a sequel to Man of Steel. You already know Superman's character. Yeah, you already know. You already know and his backstory. Yeah, or like Batman's dream sequence. I saw a lot of people saying Batman's dream sequences were really shitty. That was kind of weird. I didn't agree with that. But again, the weird future one was kind of an asshole. You can you, but- you can have problems with the movie. It, to me, it's just the level of oh fuck this movie. Blah 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 blah. You know what? If you don't like it, I guarantee fucking t is be rebooted in five to ten years. So don't fucking worry about it. You know. For me, it's just I really want. I really want to see more four, fives, sixes, and sevens as far as like one to ten ratings go. That's all I'm asking for. Right, you're right. Just not, not the whole, this whole movie was shit or this movie was the best thing ever. Exactly. Fucking just analyze it a little bit. Well, that's the problem with any user rating system in the yeah. universe. People right. are really going to like the thumbs up or the thumbs down kind of thing. Oh, and I feel like it's incredibly harmful for reviews. Absolutely. Like when you look at a Steam review and you see like this is like 90% approved, I'm like, does that fucking mean anything if it's like six out of 10 or like seven out of 10 though? It like, doesn't. Yeah. And really, I think users realize it because my game has kind of gone back up and forth through the ratings depending upon, you know, who's been buying it recently. And if it's sitting on the lower end of where it's been versus the higher end of where it sits at, no difference in sales. 
Um, and we're talking a difference between basically like a 7.5 and a 9. When I um, read Steam reviews these days, I look for two of the most like highly rated comments and the longest ones, like who's writing fucking essays here. Yeah. And then I look at two of the most like lowly rated comments and like their essays to just get like as many pros and cons as possible before I dive into it. Yeah. I think the most highly rated negative one on my game for a long time was awesome. I love it. I love that it's up there as the most highly rated negative one because it's this guy complaining that the game doesn't have enough content, but he has like fucking like 500 hours played in the game. <laughs> you just get some sort of sick yeah. pleasure so, at looking at that. Yeah, like, so everything he's writing, it's just so hilarious because he's already like, there's this number up there saying, oh, hey, douchebag, all these complaints you're making don't make any sense because you put 500 hours into this game. Can you make any replies to comments? Uh, I To me, I didn't reply to it because I didn't. Because you're the creator, but could somebody else come along oh, and yeah. be like, Hey, dickhead, you put 500 oh, hours into it. Some people, I think, did that. And then, of course, you get the, the users like, well, whatever, it's his opinion. But, you know, it doesn't matter. The, the point is that anybody who reads that, but vast majority of people who, people on the internet, there's this huge crowd, the silent majority, who doesn't really get involved in comments or get involved in really talking about shit. This fucking browse shit. And then they do their thing and they're, they're done. Um, I think the vast majority of those people are a lot more intelligent than the ones who do take part in the discussion. And I think that they read the stuff like that and they're able to analyze it and see, oh, okay. It's tough because like we shit on people that make comments, but I also rely on comments for so many games. So it's like, like yeah, I feel you somewhat indebted to people that write good but reviews of things. You know deep down the comments. Now I'm not saying all comments, but the majority of comments that are written on things are not written by the best of the best. Oh, absolutely. But I'm saying that like it makes me feel like I have some sort of responsibility to write a like a thorough, balanced review on the games that I play because I always look at them before I purchase them. Right. So but but you are too lazy. You're too lazy. <laughs> you have too much fucking shit to do. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm just saying the people who actually comment the vast majority. Not really. No. Yeah. OK. <laughs> um. Of course, there are people out there who are very intelligent who comment, and those are those are the ones you look for when you're reading reviews. Yeah, trying to get kind of screwed for reviews these days because, um, I mean, you have users uh, don't know what the fuck they're talking about, but then also critics don't really know what the fuck they're talking about because they're really not any better than users anymore because of you know, journalism is so fucking amateurish. And like to be a professional reviewer, you just have to be like uh, have a fucking website, have a fucking website. And it's rough because they have incentive for shitty journalism, like actual incentive to write shitty articles because if they sensationalize things, they'll get more clicks and they're paid by the click, not by how good their content is. Or an incentive basically to write, you know, a super negative review for a good movie. Exactly. Because it'll get those, yeah, the views and stuff. So, yeah. So you just, you're fucked either way. You can't trust the critical or the fucking user reviews for this movie. But again, <laughs> when, when you're one of the silent majority of people who use the internet, who's just browsing and looking at stuff, you kind of learn over time to kind of sift through the bullshit and kind of identify the people who aren't, you know, fucking morons who are writing this content. And I just don't get the critical reviews of, of this movie in general anyway, because like, I look back at like X3 or something and like, <laughs> that movie actually got super favorable critical reviews, it but did? like, uh, people fucking obviously hated it because it was a piece of shit. Yeah. And then like, Another huge gripe people have for this movie are the plot holes. Oh, I'm sorry, but why were you like singing praises, giving like um, Dark Knight Returns or whatever, or Dark Knight Rises like a fucking like 99 percent 
approval rating when it had like the most obvious fucking plot holes in a Batman movie I've ever seen in my goddamn life. Like, really? Well, I, I think Alex had the best point here where she just wants somebody to be able to rate the movie somewhere on the scale other than one in ten. Pretty much. Like, where five is a true average. Yeah. Ten is literally the best thing you've ever seen, and one is the shittiest thing yeah. you've ever seen. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's. So, uh, the thing that Jared wanted to talk about, which this is news for everybody. It is. It's actually, it's a kind of a, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's not... I, it is. It's it's kind of a big deal, actually. I, from, Can we do the sad piano? Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not or some super, bagpipes, maybe. I don't bum, but I'm not. I don't think he's that bummed. sad about it. <laughs> okay. It's just more like ah. Oh. I mean, I well, put, bring it. If things get sad, I'll bring it in. Don't I got okay. here? I'm I, I'm ready. I put maybe three days into that server. Okay, so the Play story time. is that the uh, World of Warcraft uh, Nostalrius yeah. server. Which is the one um, that had all this hype earlier this year and had the most users on a private World of Warcraft like vanilla server of all time? Yeah, got shut down due to Blizzard uh, legal. Yeah, down the hammer. Yeah, seasons assist. So some kind of sad shit. It is. It's kind of sad. And Jared, you were actually playing on this server. I was. I had like three level twenty characters, um, which is. <laughs> takes a lot longer than you guys might think. <laughs> oh, no. I remember those I days. Remember. I remember how long it would well, take to get Well, not you guys, there. but I mean our listeners. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, level 20 doesn't sound very impressive in this day and age when you can, like, start at level 60 by paying an extra $5, <laughs> yeah, right? No but back kidding. in vanilla days, it was the shit. It yeah. was. Um, I don't know, man. It was... It's, it's a bummer. It is a bummer, but I wasn't really playing that much that much lately anyway so uh well for the people who were or for just just the reason why the story is important is that you said to me that really they weren't doing anything technically illegal you know i don't know i i'm not gonna say i'm an expert on any of this so okay. <laughs> i'll say that in advance but i think that the, but the basis of their argument was yeah i think that the what the the illegal thing is um if they were to copy their server infrastructure um I believe that so. If the private users were to copy Blizzard's server infrastructure and yes. scripting, yes, that would be that, would, that. I think that would be the illegal thing. There's got to be something in like the terms of usage that right. says that you can't do shit like this, though. I'll just assume. I'm sure that on some level this was illegal. I'm not gonna go and try and defend. I'm sure some way this was they were doing something that, that could be technically illegal or against terms of service. Whatever, that's fine. Well, I know I absolutely was not doing something illegal because. I have a physical copy of Vanilla WoW. Doesn't right. matter though because you still aren't paying the monthly fees. Well, um, I'm not sure. I, I think, I think to me the story is, and, and anyway, the whole scripting thing is they did all the scripting themselves. These, these yes, uh, people they, who they did all the all the yeah. all the scripting themselves. Um, so basically, I think that if if it were to go to court, um, they it would be thrown out probably, eh. or or they would win, but. The, the legal fees involved in all that just isn't worth it. And I think that's half the reason that most of these servers just comply immediately cease with the cease assist, and desist. Yeah. I just can't see them buying as acrobatic a lawyer as fucking Blizzard either. Well, obviously, if even if the there was some sort of avenue for them to say this was okay for us to do, yeah, it would just be money, money, money against yeah. against Blizzard's unlimited you know, funds. In fact, Blizzard went to the trouble of shutting down a foreign server too. I mean, they don't usually do that. I don't believe. Like they've they've always they've always shut down the U.S. servers, but um, going after a French server is uh, 
a lot of work on their part too. Yeah, like, <laughs> I wonder why this even happened. Like, did they calculate like how much revenue they're like missing out on because of this, or is it just like an act of like honor or something? Like, that's really the part of the story to me that I'm trying to figure out. Um, the, every everything they ever say themselves is that they just don't want people playing that version of the game. They want people playing the current. But really. The current version of the game fucking sucks, well, Blizzard. Th- th- that's what they actually say, though? <laughs> yes, that is what they say. Hmm. And it just... They just don't fucking get it. I feel like they don't lose that much goodwill when they shut down servers, but I think this had gotten to a point where... uh, What was it, like 150,000 active accounts and like 800,000 registered users. Uh, <laughs> it's gotten to the point where I think they actually are going to lose goodwill because of this directly why, I, why didn't they shut it down in the first month you know well, why because yeah. they didn't think anything of it why let it go a year that would be like going to like a small podunk town convention and slapping like lawsuits on people for selling fan art well yeah but this was this was the biggest thing this was a big news piece i mean they, they knew had to know about it they're tracking this stuff you know this is this is a kind of the, a big thing and they're deleting any thread that pops up on their forums within seconds too about yeah well, that's fine whatever it's their forums they can do what they want um, but, um yeah and, and I think censorship the, the petition is like 30 40,000 signatures oh, there's now already to, a petition now for it Mike oh there's a petition really oh my gosh <laughs> that, that's a novel way to handle this yeah I, I <laughs> i'm don't, sure we'll have a great those effect petitions ever worked yeah ever. i think that it's not go the petition thing uh, it doesn't work when you're complaining about something. It it's might... just frustrated users just trying to yeah, feel like they're feel like they're doing something. I feel the petition thing sometimes works when you are rec- basically when you're asking company to let us spend money on you. Like I think the petition thing kind of worked for Xenoblade Chronicles. Oh, I actually have seen the petition thing work for getting people fired, but that's like maybe one of the only really? instances. Yeah. How? When? Just like um. Didn't Reddit's last CEO get fired in part as a result of a petition? Because I don't think the, the petition. Users no, hated no, no, no. The petition didn't have anything to do with it. The petition was just there because it's always a fucking petition. Gotcha. Yeah. She she stepped down because the whole culture on her, the whole atmosphere, was not going to get better with her still at the helm. But then the hilarious thing is when this Ellen Page, Ellen Page was her name, when she stepped down as CEO, all of a sudden, like weeks later, people were like, oh, well, actually, all this stuff, like most of the stuff we thought about her and what she was doing was wrong, and. And we were actually wrong about this, and it's just hilarious. Just whoopsies. The Stallers team has really taken the high ground uh, in this whole situation too, because they 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 actually reached out to Blizzard and said they they'd be willing to share their um their all their their data and everything with. Were they them just like fair enough? In case they they wanted you know, and and they they said that they would all they would their plan was always if Blizzard were to ever offer um vanilla servers themselves, they would shut down. Yeah. Uh, themselves. Uh. And because they a great had, way to handle it, because they have no interest in taking subscriptions away from Blizzard, they just uh, no. Want, they, they, they think the the fans deserve to be able to play the game they want to play. Well, the fans can fuck themselves. I don't. The fans don't deserve. I'm anything. just saying that's what the stories. I will say. Fans don't deserve anything. They go fuck themselves. But <laughs> however, there's demand out there, obviously, for vanilla WoW or you know that type of gameplay. But I think Blizzard's just gonna put their fingers in their ears and just be like, that's the big thing. Is like, well, okay, so Blizzard, if they're doing this because they don't want they want people playing the most current version of their game. That's weird to me because a lot, of, a, weird a lot me. of people who are working on the game now probably were not involved in the beginning and a lot of people involved in the beginning probably are no longer working like on mo- it. The vast majority of the developers, yes. And people designing it. I'm sure that none of those people from the beginning are left. Well, yeah, they, they totally changed the whole art style 
yeah last year <laughs> so um they're really different games at this point so that that reasoning yeah seems weird to me but maybe they'll come out with like a legacy edition of wow or some shit like theory. that there's a theory that they are that they they pulled the trigger on this because they are doing that but I, there's no fucking way but there's, there's they've been, been getting really uh nostalgic lately like they just recently um released those fatty historical volumes about like warcraft lore yeah. and they're prepping for the movie and shit like that so maybe they will release their own vanilla servers and that's why they're shutting down nostalgias right now yeah but that's the only that's the only real excuse but, that i can think well, of. well i don't think they need an excuse i mean this is their game well not an excuse like that's the only like true incentive Reason. yeah it's yeah. incentive right um it's their game they can shut down the server if they want i'm just puzzled as, as to why why they do it they're very closed mouth uh, usually so it's it's really hard to say yeah yeah I mean it's it's too bad if, if literally the, the reason is you know we just want people to play the current version of the game and they don't have plans to to release you know vanilla wow or something like it in some form um, it, it just seems kind of lame to me to uh, just take this away yeah you know? I don't feel like many of those players are going to go to the modern version of the game I think like, right. maybe um Zero percent of the players, will yeah, the modern version, or the or there are people who are already playing the modern version as well. Maybe yeah. I think there I mean, actually kind of were a ton. Like a foot in each yeah. Door. yeah, I met a lot of people on the stories who who also had uh, a subscription. So my takeaway from this is one: if Blizzard just did this just because, yeah, that's kind of lame of them, but they're right. Um, however, maybe they are planning to do a legacy server of some point soon-ish. I would pay. A subscription to play, uh, like Brain yeah, Crusade. I probably would too. Yeah, I, I absolutely would. They should they should follow the Nostalgia model if they do it though. They should not have it be fucking progressive. Like they should have a vanilla server, a fucking Burning Crusade server, a Wrath server. When you move to to the next one, when you want to, yeah, like you just transfer your save or something. Okay, so you start that, playing on the vanilla server, you max out, do the do the rating or whatever if you want to. Yeah, because you can't do. No one's gonna raid with you, right? <laughs> and on then a Crusade server, like you transfer. You're, when you're ready, you're like, okay, Burning Crusade, bring it on, and then yeah, yeah, okay. So we'll see what happens, I guess. Gamers must die. Top three list of the week. Gamers must die. Top three list. Top three list. Top three list of the week. Die, die, die. The top three list of the week. Okay, so this week's top three. Top three hardest games that we've ever played. Uh, I'm personally going to discount games that were really hard, um, but they're also just fucking terrible. So the yeah, pl- they're really just hard. unfair. They're just. Stupid. I thought that was the that was the premise was uh, hardest games we played that we actually enjoyed. Yeah, right? yeah. so hard, hardest games we played that were actually satisfying. Okay, so, and the reason I say that is because I could name probably you know thirty NES games that I played as a kid. They were fucking just broken as shit and terrible ass games. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so let's have Jared go first this time. My thing is that when a game is difficult, I uh, don't play it. <laughs> no, you're you're one of those people who like the uh the like in Mass Effect like the like the kind of the story mode was made for you where or the casual whatever it is called yeah where you don't really have to worry about you know a challenge you just like to go through it to see I don't like to die yeah <laughs> or fail right <laughs> <laughs> you go to games to escape the reality of your failures absolutely let's be reminded um let's see I'll, I'll go with uh I'm, I'm trying to go multi genre I guess here. 
I'll go with uh, Crusader Kings 2. Um, it's a big game you've been playing? It's a big game I've been playing a lot lately. Um, that game is pretty fucking difficult because like you can lose within like uh, I don't know 10 15 turns pretty damn easily <laughs> so it's like a lot of it's luck a lot of it's just like um yeah just luck of the draw <laughs> if you, especially if you if you if you start as like a count yeah um but it's still it's fucking so goddamn addicting and fun <laughs> can't, yeah i can't was actually it. reading a thread of crusader stories earlier today <laughs> that game really? is pretty that game is pretty interesting. Oh, it's pretty messy. Are you going to get, so get into fun. it too? I was thinking about it. Oh like, man, Jared. I, like, I don't have time for this shit. I'm up to yeah. like I can't be thinking about it. I think I'm over 150 hours now. I just you get you get involved in one game you're like, "Oh, there went 30 hours." Like <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, just remember when you hit like 4 or 500 hours and you find something about the game you don't like, make sure to write a negative review for it. Not Absolutely. Enough content. Of course. <laughs> this content. Where's all the content? Look, I'm so bored of this game. Only really Skyrim has 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 really hit, affected me in, in such a way where like I just lose myself in hours of playing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's hard but fun. Let's see. I'm gonna go with there's like this um this Game Boy game I used to play all the goddamn time called Solar Striker, and it was one of those uh one of those games where you're like playing a little ship and um shit's like flying at you. Well, shooting down games. Shoot them up. <laughs> uh, was it, was it were you scrolling vertically or or horizontally? Uh, vertically. Okay. Shmup. Going up. Shmup. Yep. Going up. <laughs> Uh yeah, that game was hard as fuck. Like it took me like a year to get past the first level, but it was, I was so addicted to it. Like I just kept trying over and over and over and over and over again until I learned all the patterns. I have no idea why. <laughs> I had the same thing with uh Galaga, the port to Game Boy Advance. Really? Like mm. yeah. It's just such random games. You sometimes just get in your head. And you're just like, oh, I just gotta, gotta keep I have playing. to. Yeah. Especially like if I was like bored, like at my grandparents' house or something, or just. Something super random, like right in the airport, just waiting, had time to kill. It was, it was like my version of like Candy Crush, I guess. I would yeah, just play that game. Exactly. And then you get crazy good at it because you've tried at it like so hard and for so long and you're memorizing everything and you realize that skill is utterly <laughs> inapplicable to anything yeah. else. Yeah. No, I got to like level four and I was so goddamn proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how many levels even exist in that game, but it was fucking hard <laughs> and satisfying. Uh, let's see. Uh, final one. I'm gonna go for an RTS. I'm gonna go for Warwind because there's mm-hmm. a lot of like, what the fuck moments like at the start of a level. Because basically in this game, uh, you know it's 90s scripting really for uh, RTS scripting. And uh, if you've ever played StarCraft or something, you know you'll get bum rush maybe once, and then you basically just have to build up your force and just kill everything that's just sitting on the map. Yeah. Yep. But uh, Warwind really bum rushed the fuck out of you in a lot of starting levels, and you had <laughs> it was it, punishing you. It was incredibly difficult <laughs> to win quite a few of those uh, levels in the, in the campaign. There I was, remember there was a, there was a level like the fourth or fifth level in one of the campaigns for the races where literally the scripting was that they would come attack me with a force like 10, 15 minutes in. It wasn't like right off the bat, but it was you know, near the beginning. Yeah, and I knowing this. Played the level five different times, trying to just build up defenses, just fucking defenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, force is enough to to just survive, and couldn't do it. That was fun. That was a, f- yeah. I I I did manage to beat all three campaigns somehow. I think I cheated a little bit, but I think I didn't cheat quite often as well. Yeah, even but uh, just like minor ones, like fog of war kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, the cheating 
aspect, like um, like I said, you you got bum rushed. Basically, that was the difficulty of the game. So when you when you would cheat, it would be like harvesting resources faster, sort of stuff. Like just so you don't have to sit there and play this goddamn level for you know a million years. Right, just to yeah. speed up the level rather yeah. than yeah. So yeah, that's gonna be my third. It was a damn hard RTS. I enjoyed the fuck out of it. Yeah, awesome. Found <laughs> list. Um, I'll go. I'll have you go last, Alex. God, I have so many good hard games I want to talk about, but I have to pick three. You are the opposite of me for this list, then. Really? Yeah. Oh gosh, <laughs> I, I, I'm having a really hard time picking. And a lot of them are classic games, like on the NES and SNES. Um, but uh, okay, this one is pretty well known and pretty obvious, but um, I played it a lot. Super Ghouls and Ghosts for Super Nintendo. What is the gameplay like? Oh, you don't know of Super Girls and Ghosts? I do not know Super Girls <laughs> and either. Ghosts. What? Oh, my God. So now you can't say that's because I'm a baby because Jared doesn't know either. Jared's a disappointment on many other levels. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a baby yeah. just on the inside. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. The gaming gods just shed a tear. I baby. never even saw you play that game. I knew you as of when you were like nine years old. And I never even. This isn't the kind of play game you play with friends are over? I'm going to have you sit there and watch me play this fucking game. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Side scroller. You're probably familiar. If you saw if you saw some footage of it, you might recognize. Side scroller. You're a knight, and you're going through different levels. It was level based, and like hitting stuff with your sword, and you get power up items you could throw, or kind of like Castlevania in a way, but it's much looser platforming gameplay. But your health was basically how much armor you had. So you get little. You start with a little bit of like a like silver armor, then you slowly power up, and eventually get like massive ass golden armor and every time you got hit you downgraded to the previous level oh my god armor. i have actually played this yes game. i know and then eventually you get go naked and then once you're naked yeah. once you get hit i played a port for game boy advance okay okay there you go just like the memory just snapped back to me really i, I thought you would have had to have at least seen it i mean it's like a very it's, yeah it's yeah. definitely it's like a staple yeah yeah very satisfying game though once you get through it and you beat it but then once you get through it and beat it all it does is it puts you back at the beginning of the game it's like, okay, here's an even harder version for you to play through. And I, I never did that. <laughs> I don't think I ever beat it. And on second thought, I'm not sure if I played it on Game Boy Advance or if I had some sort of simulator on PC, but yeah, played it. Basically, it's one of those games where if you're going to beat it, you're going to die a lot. And you're going to learn what you should do and shouldn't do. And you're going to be a little bit of luck involved. And, you know. Um, okay, next up, same era um, Sonic 2. On the Sega Genesis, which was yeah, somewhat difficult, par for course, I guess, at least during the era. But it was also my brother and I used to do is to do the um, the Golden Sonic playthroughs, where you at the end, end of every level you'd try and I think you had to collect a hundred rings during the level, and then at the end of the stage a goal a large golden ring would appear, and you jump through it and you enter enter the bonus stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys recall? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the bonus stage for Sonic 2, I think, was running down the uh, like tube, like the, the half, half pipe thing. Well, anyway, so you got a certain number of chances in every zone to go to get to the end of this half pipe bonus stage and get the Chaos Emerald at the end. Yeah. And so uh, if you're playing through and you manage to do that on, in, you know, zones one and two and three, but you miss in four, you're fucked. So you have to basically have a perfect playthrough to get all the Chaos Emeralds. Once you do, you can become uh, Golden Sonic, who's like invincible, 
runs really fast and it's just it's just fucking cool especially when you're a kid like that sounds like some serious bragging rights for a kid yeah i mean it wasn't like the hardest thing ever but it was it was hard it took commitment and it you know took several tries so that was very satisfying a a golden sonic playthrough of sonic 2 um lots of fun and (laughs) they had that in the first i think i did sonic 1 as well but sonic 1 wasn't as enjoyable of a game um, I recently tried to play that. I was even worse at it than when I was a child. Really? <laughs> Couldn't even get, make it past the second. I don't feel world. like Sonic One held up that well, but I Sonic- find that with a few games though. Like yeah. you're not actually okay, not I didn't as good even as when you were a kid because I you don't have that grindy dedication. I didn't get why I couldn't. Even, I couldn't fucking do it. It was so fucking hard. I, I know why because you weren't a kid and so you couldn't put up with just dying a bunch of times in a row and then getting good enough to just function in the game. That's what probably what it was. Probably. I don't know. It just some of those jumps just looked fucking impossible. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up, I'm gonna change. I had an I had a NES game that I was gonna talk about, but I'm just gonna change over to a uh, more modern game, um, Faster Than Light FTL. Oh yeah, damn, that's a good answer. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> I just thought of it while we were talking um, because very challenging, very very satisfying. Um, you know, everybody talks about, oh, I've beat the game once and it took me X number of tries. Well, I'm at the point now where I can beat the game basically a good 75, 80% of the time on easy. And I can beat it probably 20% of the time on normal. Um, just a matter of, you know, how much random bullshit you get hit with. Yeah. But, you know, it's this really hard game where you, know, you have the ship and you're going from star to star and everything. Every time you get to a star, something different happens. You could run into aliens you get attacked, you could have a random event where it says, well, do you want to do this or this and make the wrong choice and you get fucked and if you make the right choice, you might get a little bit of extra stuff, a different weapon and whatnot. You just save up to buy weapons. And so you're just kind of this beleaguered this whole time going through it. Uh, you know, your ship is getting more and more damage and you're healing it when you can and eventually you make it to the last level if you make it that far to, and you get to the boss and the boss is like, <laughs> the boss is fucking hard as shit, especially the first couple times you do it when you don't know how to even combat it um it's like this giant ship and then just when you beat it you realize it has basically th- you fight it three separate times and uh <laughs> it's just awesome though because it's so because you because eventually once you learn what's going on you know what to do um which by the way the secret to that game do you know the secret to that game no teleportation getting a teleporter as early as you can and every time you fight a ship instead of blasting them with weapons um, beaming your crew over and just killing everybody. That makes sense. With your bare hands. <laughs> and then you get more resources from the ships when you do that because you just you just kind of scrap the ship. Right. So you're just like exponentially increasing the ease of the game if right. you get teleported early on. Right. And also your your crew members skill up their fighting abilities so you get a lot beefier. And so then later in the game when you start getting boarded by these fucking robots and shit, you can fight back. And mm. uh, so... It's just, it's a good strategy. No wonder I don't like that game. I, that's not really my style. I like ship to ship battles. I mean, you know, you still do <laughs> ship to ship battles. When you get to the later stages, um, you have to fight the ship and probably bring down their shields and like, you still have to target their shield system, huh. get through their shields, maybe target their auto defenses. Anyway, there's, there's a lot of different layers to it. Well, we've talked about this at length before, but I definitely don't like that game. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, the final boss, by the way, if you're using the uh, teleportation technique. <laughs> You don't want to kill every crew member because if you kill every crew member, then the, then the uh, the computer, the autopilot, whatever, will take over and it'll fuck you in the ass very hard. So wow, yeah, 
Pro All tip. Right, I'll keep that in mind. It's yeah, brutal <laughs> shit, man. Remember that, guys. Don't forget. Writing down my notepad. Get fucked in the ass. <laughs> that is your kind of game. Is someone just designing it to be as fucking brutal as possible? No, it wasn't. I don't know to... if it's as brutal as possible. Like, I never it was, beat it. It's not forgiving. It doesn't forgive big mistakes. But it's fair in that it teaches you for future gameplay. It doesn't surprise you with any bullshit. But yeah, so like Dark Souls is a game where it was designed to be challenging but fair. So you're going through it. And uh, it's not it's not on my list because it's really obvious choice. People keep on saying that, but there were some seriously like out of the blue death points in like Bosses. all of those games: Dark Souls, Demon Souls, Bloodborne. Like they were genuinely punishing sometimes. Like you would expect it the second time, you'd be like, "Oh, there's a motherfucker around that corner." Yeah. But the first time, there's no way that you can anticipate there being there. Yeah, that happens in a lot of games, though. So. Yeah. I mean, the, the first time in FTL that. I killed off the entire crew of the boss after spending, you know, an hour and a half on this on this playthrough. And the autopilot uh, autopilot took over and <laughs> just ruined my shit. <laughs> you know, lesson learned for next time. Um, yeah. All right, Alex, I've talked enough. It's uh, your turn. All right. Let's hear um, your games. So, a little bit of a, a disclaimer before I get into my games. Um, I'm really shitty at a lot of genres, so I am not like. I am not a good uh, person to go to as far as like opinions on difficulty goes for a lot of games because I suck at them. Yeah. Like um, I'm really shitty with anything involving combos because I get really anxious trying to string together my oh, like combos. Oh, fighting games? Yeah, and I immediately fuck it up. So yeah. I'm bad at fighting games and I'm bad at uh, side-scroller combo brawlers, which is why uh, the first thing I bring up is uh, Beautiful Joe. Have either of you played that? Yes. This is on GameCube, right? Yeah. It's a fucking great game. Yep. And like, I loved uh, the visuals were great. Soundtrack was great. Um, it was really funny. So I really wanted to play this game, which is probably like the only reason I beat it, despite how shitty I was at it. But yeah, that game was very difficult for me. And it was another one of those things where you just kind of have to learn every time you die. Yeah. Like I died on the chopper guy like. 10 times before I got I figured out the little trick to slowing the blades down mm -hmm. and then as soon as I figured that out I felt like an idiot for not trying it sooner but um, that game was really difficult it's one of few games that I've played that really challenged me that I really wanted to finish and ended up finishing it was a side scroller it had like a comic book look to it yeah it's a side scroller really cool art style up with this um, like really thick black line super stylized characters yeah. that kind of thing and it had like onomatopoeias pop up whenever you did stuff. So it'd yeah. be like pow, kick, zap kind of thing. Now you say you were sh shitty at side scrollers, but I actually owned Beautiful Joe, played it a lot, and eventually um, gave up probably pretty deep into the game. But I probably played this one level or this one boss 15 times, just couldn't do it and just never went back to the game. So. That game was a serious grind for me. I think it was like high school spring break. I like dedicated a large portion of spring break mm. to playing it with my friend Justin. So it was one of those things that we just kind of suffered through together. Oh, yeah, some moral together. support. Yeah, moral support. <laughs> All right, yeah. We had, like, the full setup, too. We, like, constructed a fortress around our GameCube to properly play Beautiful Joe kind of thing. How do you construct a fortress around your GameCube to properly <laughs> Chairs, blankets, lamps. Like a children's fortress around our GameCube at the time uh, when that a, stuff was in still high school, fun. With a boy. Boy. Huh? In high school with a boy, you constructed a children's fortress. Yeah. Okay. You made a blanket for it to play Beautiful Joe in high school with a guy. I never said I was cool <laughs> or popular. 
No, no, I just wanted to get your story no, straight. That's it, all. This was a this was a friendship, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, okay. I'm not criticizing at all. Just... Yeah, no, we never dated. Huh? We never had any interest in each other. We just want to play some fucking beautiful like Joe. Some... We also went through every Silent Hill game. Really? Yeah. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah, it was really fun. Wow. And now there's nobody to make pillow fortresses with anymore. It's just not a thing you do at 24. <laughs> um, oh, you can still do it. Oh, I still make blanket forts all the time at 31. I think that there's been like Valentine. Oh, I definitely in college or whatever, or later after college, there were times where like Valentine's Day or whatever. We'd make a blanket fort back at night. I'd watch a movie or something. You oh, know, that's crap really like cute. That. So you still make blanket forts. And the nice thing too is everything you think you're never ever going to do again, like childish stuff. I'm finding that you do it again when you get children. Yes. So already I'm doing stuff that I would, you know, would never do if I didn't have a two-year-old running around to do it with. You know, <laughs> now so. she's your excuse. Just like, oh, yeah, I had to make a oh. fortress and play pretend. I had to yeah. play with these Legos all day. And, you know, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely, like, use my little cousins to play with Legos and, like, play pretend. But, um, yeah, Beautiful Joe, number two. I have, like, a kind of, like, a question mark next to this one. StarCraft two. Okay. Just because, um... Campaigns were never really like too difficult for me on normal mode. Yeah, I could struggle through them after like I would maybe get stuck on one level for like four tries, but it was always like four tries at most, yeah. you know. Um, but I'm including StarCraft Two because it was the only time I tried to be actually competitive at a game. Oh, and multiplayer. Uh, yeah, and was smacked with how absolutely inadequate I was. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure that we've talked about my brief stint with like competitive StarCraft yeah, Two before. Yeah. Like, it was, like, six months of, like, intensive training kind of thing. Um, I even had, like, a sensei to, like, teach me how to do competitive StarCraft 2. But it really put into perspective... Was he, like, a little, old, like, South Korean man, or...? I wish. <laughs> no, his name is Keith. He's um, a huge guy, and he was, like, consistently top-ranked in Washington for StarCraft 2. Oh, so, okay, so he's, yeah. like, legit... Oh, cool. He was really legit. The online competitive scene is on an entirely separate yeah. difficulty level from anything that I've ever played before, and it absolutely blew my mind. Does it come down to... in my The impression I get is it comes down to actions per per minute or whatever. Actions, per, actions second, per second. Actions per second versus... Is there a lot of, like, playing the game, really? Is it Or just, like, repetitive... It's action? very repetitive like who can stick to the script the best yeah a lot but of that's the time. what i get the, yeah so that you have kind of a set way you want you're going to do things and maybe adjust on the fly exactly but, but it's all for this, the most part it's all you just have a timeline and it's just like you have to have this troop out by the two minute 10 second mark you have to have this <laughs> troop out by the three minute five second mark yeah. And you have to have like this many resources within the first 15 seconds of gameplay. Otherwise, you're fucked. I get that on like the, the you know, have this ready this quickly sort of thing. Because everybody has, has their initial build stuff yeah. going on. But basically what it's a matter of having this plan for not just the first few minutes, but the entire game and sticking to the script as best you can. And Pretty much. Okay. It's like the information trickles down from the top tier players and everyone else mm -hmm. beneath them just gobbles it up and plays by their script. So unless you're somebody way high up there, like Hydra or something, you're probably not making your own builds and like trying your own tactics because yeah. you'll fail because somebody else has done it before you and optimized it. So there's no reason to like not look at a spreadsheet if you're trying to actually be competitive, which 
was very disenchanting and why I stopped playing. That sounds like but. a good reason to not do it to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like I knew that it was like that with like PvP games, like a uh, um, MMO PvP. Like I knew that. Wow, you had a script. You needed like a specific set of armor. You needed a specific build and specific skill set to do multiplayer PvP. Yeah, talking. exactly. If you wanted to get competitive with PvP, yeah. um, I thought that it would be a little bit more flexible with StarCraft until I found out how fucking meta the online multiplayer was. So. I just don't see what's enjoyable about doing that, you know? Yeah, no, I gave up on it. Yeah. Even with, you with, uh, with your game, quickly, I gave up on it quickly. Remember how multiplayer was fun for a while, then players started like data mining, all that shit, and it just start, stopped being fun for pretty much. Well, it stopped being fun because they took it so goddamn seriously and got so mad when something wasn't like, when they thought something was out of balance because then they figured it was top tier until somebody else showed them that something else could beat that and they were all just fucking crybabies about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I hate it when people fucking turn playing playing a game into turning a game into a spreadsheet. Yeah, I don't like that. No, me neither. It just makes me not interested in doing it anymore. Yeah, Yeah, I haven't touched the competitive scene of anything since. Yeah, and every time I get into like a quote unquote competitive kind of game, like Mario Kart or Smash or like any sort of two D fighter, I'm just I'm not in it to win it at all, really. Yeah, (laughs) but um, StarCraft Two is my number two. And number three, um, oh gosh, what did I put down for my number three? Super Meat Boy. Oh, yes, Super Meat Boy. It took me a long time to think of this game. I have no idea why I didn't think of it sooner, because that is definitely a game that is difficult but fair. You can't blame anybody but yourself for losing that game. Really? But at the same time, it's so fucking hard. Yeah. Have you guys played Super Meat Boy? I played, no. I played the uh, demo or whatever. It's just so... It gets so elaborate. The farther along you go in the levels, like um, you ha- like your platform precision has to be like so like so up there mm. in order to beat that game. I never beat it, and I I played it pretty hard for a while there. But um, the mechanics are really uh, smooth and balanced. So like, there's no uh, uh, latency issues. Like when you hit the jump button, you jump. Yeah, and you like you stay in the air for the expected amount of time and like you slide on the walls for the expected amount of time. Like, you know how a lot of platformers can get difficult just because the animations don't sync up with the action or like the action is like a split second too fast or too slow than you're expecting kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Super Meat Boy is very polished. So you don't run into any of those issues, which means that the later levels are near fucking impossible because they count on how perfect the gameplay is. Okay. So, that was a toughie, but at the same time, can't complain about it at all. Yeah. See, that that's the kind of challenge I don't like that much because um, whereas I liked like something like Super Goals and Ghosts, it wasn't that kind of um, perfect, 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 perfect sort it's of thing. It's very much like a twitch reflex kind of thing. Yeah, right. It's still, you have to be good and you have to be practice and whatnot, you know, you know, know what you're doing, but I don't like the whole like, yeah, perfect reflexes, dit, 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 dit. just not appealing to me. And when I played the demo whatever it was i fucking it must have been a demo i was like wow controls are great game seems like it's fun but i just know that's the direction it's headed and i'm yeah. just not in that you know? yep okay anything else you guys want to talk about before we wrap this up um nothing in particular all right i think i'm good sweet well thanks for listening call it a day <laughs> call it a day <laughs>